0: Hi, it's Chris Fivoli. We'll be getting to our regular podcast episode in a few moments, but first I wanted to mention that today marks the release of the 100th episode of Seeing Beyond Risk, which is an accomplishment that we are all very proud of. So here with me to offer a few thoughts on this milestone is the chair of the Seeing Beyond Risk Advisory Group, Renée Couture. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Hi, Chris. Thank you for having me. So to start
0: off, maybe you could describe for everybody what the Seeing Beyond Risk Advisory Group is responsible for.
1: Sure. So essentially, when the group was started, it was more of an editorial support in a way for the Canadian Institute of Actuaries. However, when I joined in 2019, we were tasked more to provide topics and speakers for podcasts and articles that would be of interest to the actuarial profession, but more specifically the CIA membership. We also act as champions, so we actively listen to the podcast, we read the articles on the newsfeed, and we provide feedback to the CIA, and and hopefully more and more reviews, especially on the articles, to help promote them within our networks, and and as well on posting them on social media, or or, um, I guess following the CIA's postings on uh, social media. Uh, We hope to broaden the actuarial listenerships and uh, readership for the podcast and the uh, articles and we try to measure um, the impact of of the growth and our efforts that's key to us so we do have some quantifiable objectives that we uh, we try to set up on a regular basis so for the first few years that I was the chair we were looking at increasing the listenership of the podcasts.
0: So maybe we can continue that a bit more. Can you tell us what you'd like to see us accomplish over the course of the next 100 episodes?
1: Yes, for sure. So as the podcasts are doing really well, uh, we've increased significantly the the number of listeners. We still have that on our radar. But with the newsfeed and the articles, we are are hoping to see an increased traffic in the uh, the access of the read- readership of the articles online. And uh, we will be looking at those statistics to ensure that uh, there's some minimums there and then try to see how else we can promote the visibility of that. Uh, we thinking maybe also of doing a survey um, later this year as to preferences of the membership, how and what topics they like. But generally when we uh, monitored the podcast and the articles, we we noticed a fairly wide uh, interest uh, in topics so all kinds of topics seem to be of interest whether it's a research paper or it's an interesting experience of an actuary our membership seem to be very interested
0: and any final thoughts before we wrap up
1: well i'd like to just say that i uh, my appreciation um, as um, a volunteer for the cia so i've been doing it for six years now and i found it extremely beneficial to my personal development my career as well but more so connecting with um, other peer actuaries and working towards the uh, evolution or evolving the CIA has been really rewarding. In that respect, I encourage uh, membership to uh, listen to the volunteering uh, episodes. So we've just uh, published uh, two in April, episode 87 and 88, so French and English. And we also have episode 33, which is in French and 25 in English on actuaries on external boards, which has been very popular. But I really encourage uh, CIA members to uh, listen to those uh, episodes for further information about volunteering. and, And I highly recommend the experience.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks very much for speaking with us today. Thank you. And a special thank you to all of our guests and listeners for helping this podcast be successful over the past couple of years. And now here's today's episode welcome to seeing beyond risk a podcast series from the canadian institute of actuaries i'm chris fivoli staff actuary communications and public affairs at the cia a few months ago we took a look at infrastructure investments and how they can play a role in the investment management of insurance companies and pension plans today we're going to ask the same questions about real estate And joining us once again to walk us through this is CIA member Carolyn Grandois. Thank you for coming back to speak with us today.
2: Thank you for having me again. So
0: to start off, uh, let's just define what do we mean by real estate investment and what do you typically include in this asset class?
2: So real estate actually is a very broad asset category that can cover a ton of sectors, different investment vehicles, different risk profiles as well. So let's start by thinking through the sectors. In general, when we're investing in real estate, we're investing in the operation and growth of an asset. We're also investing it in a way where we can either invest in real estate projects via debt so via mortgages or via the equity in a project or in a building and then these investments can also be done either publicly so when we're thinking of REITs, for instance that are traded or in the private market so for today just to try to, to put a, a limit As to the investments we'll look at, I think we can focus on private, direct equity investments in real estate. The main sectors and categories of real estate that we can invest in that we'll generally hear about are industrial real estate, office, commercial. So that's, you know, shopping centers and also multi-residential. There's other sectors that you can invest in in real estate, but those are more value-add investments. For instance, hotels could also be lumped in, but are generally less considered in core projects. And then projects can also be invested at different stages of maturity. So you can either invest in what we call greenfield uh, real estate projects, so really projects that are in development, being built or being, you know, redone. Or brownfield real estate investments, so those would be mature projects that are in operation, that are being leased, occupied, and so on. So basically taking all of these things together, all of these different ways to invest together, you can construct a portfolio that's going to be considered core, value-add, or opportunistic. So all of that is basically broadly what we invest in when we're investing in real estate.
0: Okay, let's keep going on the topic of portfolio construction. Maybe can you tell me about uh, the characteristics of the real estate asset class and what does the risk return profile look like?
2: So again, if we focus on uh, direct private real estate equity projects, we're thinking of assets that should be held on a long-term horizon basis. Generally, the investment is considered a hybrid, one that offers both a stable income as well as capital appreciation. Again, the mix between both in the investment will depend on the type of investment that's made. Real estate investment, so having those two components, that income gets generated from leasing the assets. So the more mature a project, the more occupied a project, the more part of the expected return is going to come through from that stable income. That also has a tendency to keep up with inflation. As we know, generally for those of us who lease or uh, who have leased in the past, generally our leases increase with inflation year after year. So that's the same case when you're an investor and you're taking the profit from lease income, you can also expect that to increase with inflation year after year. And then the other part of the return equation is capital growth for a real estate project. So effectively either because the project is in development, the project is being redone, or a project is being redeployed, or there is you know, a, a view that a neighborhood or something like that is going to take in value in the same way that our houses gain value over time, so do buildings that are occupied for commercial prop purposes. So that's also a part of the equation that's going to come through. In terms of portfolio construction, Real estate is very interesting as an asset class to consider addition to a portfolio. There's the fact that uh, generally we see a lower correlation than with the stock market. So for instance, if we look at the great financial crisis of 2008, when equity markets tanked, real estate investments stayed put. Of course, the next year they decreased in value, but the idea that having like that temporal law lag to have you know, in one year, a lag of an asset class, but then in the next one, you know, being able to to kind of have that loss a little further in time, that does help maintain the capital in the portfolio in time. So that's another way in which a real estate investment is useful. Then there's the fact that to having that capital growth component on top of the stable income generation, this asset class is really being used a lot these days to strengthen current return, in a low interest rate environment. So whenever we hear people saying, I'm having a uh, trouble maintaining my discount rate or I'm having trouble maintaining my expectation for dividend yield in my portfolio, real estate is a place where we can consider investing and we can look at that income generation as a replacement for a more of a fixed income instrument. And then there's the fact that it follows inflation again through leasing component. And then really the fact that behind the investment, there is an actual building and that also helps stabilize the value of the investment. So all of those things kind of come together to make real estate um, a really key asset class to portfolio construction.
0: And I understand that real estate investment has become somewhat of a hot topic recently. How has this investment class changed over the last few years?
2: I think it's changed mainly by becoming more available and by being segmented. So where before the investment was only available to the largest of insurance companies and largest of pension plans, now effectively managers will have open pooled vehicles available for investment in these assets. So truly they've become available to more investors. So that's one of the main ways the asset class has changed. Another way is also we're seeing more and more segmentation of the types of investments. So where we were only looking at core, now more and more manager will also make available value-add products, geographically diversified products and this such. So the asset is also kind of becoming more complete as well in terms of what's available to investors. And then finally, we're seeing a lot of movement towards ESG aspects. So kind of having buildings that are also environmentally conscious is another way in which the investment is evolving as well.
0: Okay, so let's look at this from an actuarial standpoint now and maybe talk a bit about what are the advantages of having real estate investments when it comes to, say, pension funds.
2: For a pension fund, you've got benefits on both sides of your balance sheet. So, if we're just thinking of the asset side, you know, I I had a quite lengthy response to the portfolio construction question. All of those things basically help maintain and improve expected return over time and also help stabilize uh, the asset value over time. So, all of that together will basically help funding positioning from the asset side. From the liability side as well, especially when we're looking at going concern um, valuations. Then we also have a benefit of real estate because, again, if you're using the asset class to replace a fixed income component to be able to support more income generation, well, that's going to come through also in your long-term expectation and therefore flow through to your discount rate, thus being able to you know, have that reflected in your liability. So you've really got an impact on both sides of the balance sheet. And then some funding legislation also consider, you know, a benefit to real estate investment. So for instance, if you look at funding legislation in Quebec, in Quebec when calculating the stabilization provision, they are considering real estate as a duration and as partly kind of matching assets. So therefore helping limit as well the stabilization provision that has to be funded by the plan sponsor. So effectively, you've got some benefits, as I said, on both sides of the balance sheet for uh, your pension plan.
0: We're certainly hoping in a few months that we can stop talking about COVID, but we're not quite there yet. So do you foresee any repercussions from the pandemic on real estate investments, either in the short term or the long term?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be quite myopic to to say that, you know, the asset class is not going to feel any kind of repercussion from social distancing and changes that we've lived through for the past year and that, you know, are also going to reshape the future of work amongst other things. So if we just take that part of the equation for real estate, so working from home, obviously had a clear impact on offices. We see it in leasing rates. We see it in cap rates as well. So definitely we see an increase in vacancies more so than in any other real estate sectors. So in the medium term, of course, it is possible that we see a reorganization of work conditions, that could decrease the demand for offices, thus strengthening the fact that it's now more important than ever to hold really high quality assets with a real prospect in time for making sure that you have a manager managing their property who has a view to leasing and to making sure that the assets are used properly. On the other end though, we can look at other sectors that have benefited actually from the pandemic. So the most obvious one being the industrial sector So when we're looking at places where, you know, that are building and and shipping all of the boxes that we get delivered to our homes because we're no, no longer necessarily going to stores to shop, that part of the real estate industry has truly increased in value. So we see it in both ways. I think it's important to understand that in the long term, real estate is still an interesting asset class to consider because of its diversification benefit that it brings to a portfolio. But effectively, it's important to work with a manager who has a true view and who's willing to evolve their thought and thinking around what does an office look like in 2025 and to be prepared to own a portfolio that's going to get you there.
0: Yeah, it will be interesting to see how all that works out. I just want to turn now to talk about OSFI because they are starting to focus a little more attention to stress testing for personal mortgages with the concern that we may be, you know, heading into a potential bubble. Do you think this will have any implications for real estate investments?
2: Yeah, I think it's so it's definitely going to have an impact on kind of household real estate holdings. I think it would be a limited view to think it's not going to transpire to commercial real estate. But if we think about it effectively, those new mortgage rules or what they're looking to do really is there to affect individuals purchasing real estate. And we all understand that basically with more stress testing, what it's going to do is probably delay first real estate purchase for young people. What this then can transpire to for commercial real estate is a potential for actually longer leasing life for individuals and probably a demand for higher quality leases as well. So it's something that effectively could potentially be beneficial for commercial multi-residential real estate, but that remains to be seen. But of course, I, I do think we're gonna see an impact on commercial real estate
0: okay maybe we just wrap up and talk a bit about the commercial mortgage landscape because again the pandemic is going to affect that Uh, what consequences do you see for real estate investments due to that
2: so there's a lot of things actually but i I think yes there's a pandemic but more importantly there's also been a shift in rate that's going to definitely affect mortgages going forward uh, commercial mortgages so i think all of these things basically are kind of playing odds and ends. When we're valuing the investments, it's truly going to be important to make sure when you go into a mortgage or a real estate investment to understand what you're invested in and to understand as well, what's the underlying asset? How volatile is your rates? Or how linked are they to the general yield curve and things like that? I think more than ever, it's important for investors to truly understand the products that they own. And commercial mortgages is really at the heart of that. I think you can't just go into that investment thinking it's safe, it's backed by an asset. It's important to understand the risk profile. But overall, it's an asset category that should continue to thrive long term.
0: Okay, that's lots of good information to think about. So thanks very much for joining us today.
2: That's my pleasure.
0: We now have several dozen episodes in our podcast series, so we encourage you all to subscribe. Uh, You can do so through Spotify, Apple, or whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you like today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating or a comment, and we would like to hear from you, so please send any suggestions or episode ideas to podcasts at cia-ica.ca. As well, we're always looking for content for our Seeing Beyond Risk blog, so if you have some ideas you would like to share, please contact us at seeingbeyondrisk at cia-ica.ca. Until next time, I'm Chris Pivoli, and thank you for tuning in to Seeing Beyond Risk.